Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D, and we've got a bunch of shout-outs today for today's episode. Big shout-out to our two new patrons. What? Two? I'm about to have a heart attack over here. Yeah, Jose and Jay the Phoenix. Thank you guys so much for signing to become patrons. Thank you Love so much. Love you guys. Love Absolutely. You guys. Also, uh, two other shout-outs that I want to give. A big shout-out to uh, Nightclub Podcast for being our guests this month when we were talking about ghost towns. They are two fun guys. And the final uh, shout-out that we want to give is to my cousin, Sean, who just started listening to the podcast and has been messaging me uh, quite frequently about our episodes. What, there's another uh, member of the Marcus clan listening? That's right. So, like, it's really funny that sometimes my parents don't believe me when I say that people listen to our podcast. And I'm like, my cousins <laughs> listens to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Like, my, doesn't your aunt listen to? No, my cousin. Oh, my, oh, okay. No, I my cousin. In, on who they were. My cousin in Connecticut, uh, Abel, listens to this. And then my, my cousin who lives here in Evansville, Sean, uh, started listening to the podcast as well. So big shout outs to you guys. Thank you guys so much. Love you guys. Wait, is this the cousin that we played Warhammer with that one time? Yeah. Yeah. That oh, he, cool. also, he also plays Warhammer 40K. <laughs> Sean, so he does also like to point out he plays orcs like Ooh. his big cousin because he has good taste in 40k Ooh. factions. Thank you very much. We also won that episode, won that match, by the way. So, yes, okay, yes. It was can. a whole episode. That's what it was. So, like to point that out. But he recently uh, started listening, he's on currently listening to our episode on Centralia, uh, nice. Pennsylvania, which was our last episode episode so if you guys have not checked that out i highly recommend that you guys go check that out. it's really cool it's a whole town that literally had a a fire break out in an underground mine like the town itself was just literally Still on top of burning us. to this day <laughs> yes a burning inferno and as it. they will say 250 years from now still burning to this day <laughs> all right comments from the last episode jay the phoenix patron said uh, if you want to give a Margaret, uh, get Margaret. If you want to give Marcus a break from straight birds, I suggest looking up the Gargantuan Gliders cryptid story. Uh, not much on it, but it might be good pillow talk or a small case file. I love it when someone recommends pillow talk to me. I love any when somebody <laughs> recommends cryptids to us. That's not birds. <laughs> thank just, you, thank you, Jay. Just whisper those naughty cryptids right into my ear. <laughs> this has been one, this whole month where people have been voting for large giant birds for the month of December uh, has been nothing but Vic and the patrons ganging up on me. That's <laughs> what it is. So thank you, Jay. Thank you, you Jay so the Phoenix. You very wounded. <laughs> I am wounded. My pride is wounded. I'll, I'll you know what, in our next episode, because we're going to start it, I'll explain why. So I'll explain the backstory behind that little thing, that whole, little fear of birds. Sounds good to me. Dan Ward said, uh, signs and symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning may include a dull headache, weakness, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, shortness of breath, confusion, blurred vision, lots of consciousness. This is what Mayo Clinic has to say on it. Beyond that, I've heard of auditory and visual hallucinations. Also, some are interesting ideas of connections to smoke exist in ancient times. So there is that. That is true, because that whole idea of being engulfed in smoke and then having this connection to the underworld is a totally a thing. Also, I kind of forgot that that was totally a thing. I'd also like to point out that these are also all like symptoms of just me having to run. <laughs> I take it a you short get run. Auditory and visual hallucinations sometimes from running. No blurred vision, shortness <laughs> of breath, nausea, dizziness, and weakness. I get that jogging to my mailbox. You, you need to run better, man. Mm -mm. I started running, that's what happened. You got to slow down. The Mayo Clinic said so. <laughs> Sky C said, Hellfire. Yes, one of my favorite so uh, villain songs. Love the shout out, Vic. Centrally is interesting. The I'm just glad someone got it. Yeah, it's from the note, Punchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, it's movie. a great yes, movie. It's it the best is. song number in it. Yes. Also, too, if you're, oh, if you really like that so uh, song, uh, Sky, and you really, really like uh, Disney villain songs, and you like acapella music, look up Peter Holland. You're welcome. 
He does a whole stuff on like Disney. Like he actually has a mix up Disney villains song that's really, really cool. And he actually Hellfire is included in it. Why haven't you told me about this? This sounds cool as hell. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know tons of cool stuff and you don't listen. That's what happens. That's what happens when you talk and I don't. <laughs> so get to miss out on all this stuff. I uh, love the shout out Vix and Charlie is interesting. And the documentary on it is super good. It's so scary to think that the possibilities of what is not that far below us. I love the ideas of you guys looking into ancient civilizations. I know that you guys will have fun with it. I think so too. I think so too. We always love talk. I mean, anytime that we've talked about ancient civilizations, it's always been fun. And we've also talked about like how much futuristic technology do they possibly have back then? Like this is something we actually chat about a lot when we're just hanging out. Mm Mm-hmm. So, bouncing over to YouTube. Avarice Rex, the Dark Phoenix. That's probably... That is that freaking is, cool. Avis, oh God, that is, is it a, Avarice? Avis Rex, oh, Avis the Dark Rex. Phoenix. That's still, still, still the coolest cool. name on YouTube, by the way, that, that I've seen so far. I'm totally like digging this whole Phoenix wave we're riding right now. Yes. <laughs> As someone with Lakota ancestry, I want to hear more about Thunderbirds from you guys. Going to downvote. That oh, upvoted for me. Upvote for me. Okay, and you get the upvote for that from you guys. I do need to hear. Uh, I do indeed hear the thunderclaps and see the lightning. Huh? Also from Pennsylvania, Centralia is not that far from me. That's mm. pretty cool. That is awesome. It's really cool when you live close enough to a town like that, so that you can like have some kind of like weird insider knowledge on stuff like that, because there's probably stuff that you know about it that we actually don't. And like the general public doesn't know. Like we don't live that far from Stoll, Kansas and periodically we'll start kicking around the idea of a day trip and probably end up in jail overnight for trespassing. I have heard that a lot. <laughs> they make you stay over the weekend. Usually uh, Mary Grace pats Marcus on the, on the head gently. Sorry, friend, but birds are coming. Yep. Birds are coming. Can you It'll hear be okay. Kind of down vote. That. For me. What what is with you with handing out the downloads all of a sudden? It is. I'm just Oh man. Okay. Oh, you get the heart. That's what it is. So sorry. I gotta heart it for you guys, but that's that's what you guys get. For that. Everybody ganging up on me. Oh my god, it just keeps going. First name, last name. Squiggy squaggity birds are coming, boy. Also, a few lads ever do uh uh ever do head up to Centralia though. Swing through Latrobe, Pennsylvania and pick me up. I've been looking for an excuse to go there for years. That place looks creepy. That would be pretty cool. I'd love to do a ride with one of our listeners. We would, too. LaShan says, was thinking of you guys after I discovered a newcomer to the Cryptid Hunter community on YouTube. Speaking of, when's there going to be a Mysterious Creatures? Next month. (laughs) Because we're going to be talking about Thunderbirds. I mean, we do talk Mysterious Creatures fairly often. I think we've been taking a little break from it here lately. I mean, we're about to be very deep in it next month. We're going to be talking a way. little bit this episode on it. Yeah, though. actually a little bit this. Actually, you're going to get a sneak peek uh, a little bit of uh, some uh, winged creatures, which is okay cuz we'll we'll explain why. It's a good segue episode. Good good segue into this. Okay. So for today's episode, I know that we're doing this right about the beginning of December. Uh, but because of the holiday, our schedule got thrown out of, out of whack, and I'm going to be gone this weekend because I'm going to be up in Greenwood doing comedy for this weekend, so uh, we had to get the episode in today uh, whenever we were going to do it. So, uh, for today's episode, I was struggling. Well, okay, so, wait, 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 don't start there. No, that's, that's okay. what it was. We had previously been decided that we're just going to each come up with our own thing on yes. what we're going to talk about today, our own like creepy town thing. Mm-hmm. And I figured mine out pretty early, and then what happened with you? Yeah, so I'm I'm scrolling through all these different <sighs> ghost towns, and none of them are 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 like sticking out to me. Like none of them are like really exciting me, getting super passionate about this, like Centralia and Dogtown uh, did. And all of a sudden, I scroll through a name of a of a town, and I'm like, and I see it right in front of me, Chernobyl. And I'm like, how did I not think about this town before? Chernobyl has a ton of paranormal crap surrounding it, and it's so cool. So he's talking to me today about this being this being like the most interesting idea ever, and I'm just like, dude, I've been prepping this for like five days. I now. know we both came to the same conclusion of the sound of the of the same town. I called him up. He goes, yeah, I was doing this three days ago, and I'm like, this is 
Perfect. First, I'd like to say it definitely was not the same time. I had started my research on it much earlier. So mm. I am that much cooler I than you. I would like to point out that we have both been researching Chernobyl for far longer than the last three days. Thank you very much, good sir. Fair. But as the first to come up with it, as well as going to talk about but, but, today. For what we're going to do. But however, I've been, we've both been researching Chernobyl for far longer than that. And it That's is fair. such... And it is such a hotbed of paranormal activity and still is to this day. You know, anytime that we can do any sort of topic surrounding nuclear technology, veterans veterans of the podcast and our channel know how much I absolutely love talking about that. He eats that stuff I up. do because it's such an interesting thing with when you look at what nuclear technology did to the paranormal field and how everything shifted. After we split the atom. Because how many times, honest to God, think about it, guys. How many times have we ever, when we've talked on the podcast, you know, how many times have we talked about reality, reality changing, and, and interdimensional things like that? Things I mean, that make up our what Right. Whenever we discovered nuclear technology, that was the beginning, at least, that we know of, of mankind being able to split the atom and start manipulating the building blocks of our reality and of our universe. So to me, like when people, when people talk about, like ufology, a lot of people will talk about that modern ufology begins with the Roswell UFO incident in the, in the 40s, 40s, right? Yeah, yeah, in the 40s. But really around that time, whenever we develop nuclear technology, to me, I say it's a, it's a shift in the entire paranormal field. I mean, you can easily that. say that it's a worldwide paradigm shift. Yeah. That people woke up one day and realized, oh, crud, we could all destroy each other. In a matter of hours. Yeah, like how many times do, when people talk about, when people talk about like the Hadron Collider and and and, and when it came on thinking that it was going to end all reality. That's or true. that whenever that we've been using it, that it's been slowly changing the way how reality works in the first place. I have seen some connections with that in the Mandela effect and some weird stuff involving our perceptions yeah. of time. Yeah, and if you think about it in terms of UFOs, if you think about it in terms of UFOs, how many times have we looked up religions or cults or anything surrounding UFO or, or stuff with aliens. And at the end of the day, it's always talking about that. They showed up right after we discovered nuclear technology. That's really common. You know? And a lot of focus around nuclear test sites. Also, like just think about how many episodes we've just like mm -hmm. brought up nuclear power, radioactive power mm -hmm. and things along that. It's not like we bring it up every episode, but right. it's not an uncommon topic for us to explore here, especially with your interest in that, that era. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's absolutely why I think that it surprises me more that more people, that more Keelian researchers, you know, like our, you know, like ourselves don't talk more about nuclear technology and its impact on the paranormal because it's huge. And I have we ever told the fans the trip that we had to cancel because of COVID? Oh God, I'm still pissed about that. Oh, Oh yeah, go ahead. Go. You can tell the no, story. You, you. I, I've been on a rant for a while. You go I ahead. I don't remember the name of the type of bunker. The the Nike the Nike missile missile yeah, that, there, New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, me. It was me. It was me, Vic, and uh, Ricky, Ricky from yeah, Ricky Bruckman from Mount Vernon Paranormal. We're gonna go to the Nike missile silo in January. In January, July of what year? Well, it was oh sorry, twenty twenty. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's when we were planning to go. That trip got canceled real fast. Yes. Uh, and if you guys are listening to this way distantly in the future, <laughs> listening to our back audio logs, yeah, yeah, COVID, pretty, pretty, that was the year COVID. So it pretty much just ended our ability to go invest in, in, into the- Way to shut ability. off your phone there, oh, bro. Oh, boo. Sorry. But that ended our ability to to be able to to do that. And so that was very sad. I'm still bummed about that. And we're still planning on going. Oh, we yeah. I want to go. We just don't know when. So, you ready to jump into this topic? Yes. So. What, what's the name of the town there? How do you say it? It's like Pitriad? Pripyat. Pripyat. Pripyat? Pripyat. P-R-I-P-Y-A-T. Can I just say Pripyat? You could also just say Chernobyl. Okay, I'll just say, I'll just say Chernobyl. <laughs> but that's the name of the town that it's from. A lot, of, a lot of people think that Chernobyl is the name of the city, uh, when in reality it's Pripyat is actually the name of the town. And still think that it's in Russia, even though it's in the Ukraine, uh, is where it's at. But uh, a little bit of background about when the Chernobyl nuclear disaster occurred. It occurred on April 26th, 1986. Uh, and that was whenever in the town of Ukraine, city of Pripyat, whenever there was, a, there, was a, there was an explosion by a flawed reactor designed in the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, which caused radiation to spew in the air. 
the only other nuclear uh, facility, reactor facility in, uh, in, in time that ever even came close was the Fukushima disaster uh, in Japan. It's the only other one that ever even came in close to that. So the whole town had to be evacuated. 30, it was like 30-something, like 31, 32 people ended up dying because of the result itself. But it ended up like affecting like half a million people. And still to this day, still to this day, there are parts of Chernobyl that you actually like near the reactor where you can't get to because the radiation is still so freaking high that it's that it's toxic to people. Yeah, if I remember right, some of them within I think it was 20 minutes of being exposed to the area, you'll start to have stomach discomfort and start to show visual signs of radiation poisoning. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I don't know what happens if you stay past that point, but I'm imagining it's not good. Okay. And ever since then, whatever, I think it became, it was in, I think it was 2011, whenever it finally actually was able to be opened up to the public for people, for officially for it to be a tourist attraction. People have yeah. been sneaking in for years, but that was whenever actually parts of it became open that people, that they said it was deemed safe for people to explore. Then people have been going for years. And, and they allowed all sorts some of small groups to come in yeah. before that for specific reasons. Yeah. yeah. Into, into certain sections. Yeah. So you might be asking yourself. What sort of paranormal phenomenon is going on in the town of Pripyat, the Chernobyl nuclear disaster? Well, my good theoretical friend, quite a lot. Everything. <laughs> so, it runs the gambit. Where where do you want to start? Let's start easy. Let's start with what you would expect to be there. Let's start talk about ghosts. Yeah, so tons of people talk about that. A lot of people don't know the actual number of people died. A lot of people think that far more people actually died in Chernobyl than they, than they actually did. Amount. It was only 30 people, even though it was a huge major event. Although more died later from later, fallout. From, yes, from fallout and radiation poisoning that occurred after that. One of my favorite ghost stories surrounding Chernobyl uh, came in 1997. And I absolutely love this. Uh, it was a nuclear phys- physicist by the name of Andrei Kau... Oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Kavuskov? A nuclear physicist from New York. Anyway, he said that he it was in nineteen ninety seven when he was when he was visiting there with another team. So that he went to the power station at seven thirty in the morning and he this went This is my favorite story. Yeah, and he went to the number four reactor uh where the explosion occurred. He couldn't go inside due to radiation. Um uh, but as he was taking radi- radiation readings, he started hearing somebody screaming for help from a fire inside the reactor. So uh, he says that he ran upstairs to tell somebody, but uh, they said that when he entered the, the control room, he was the first person to open that door in almost three years, and the only way to get inside of the old reactor was through the doors that he came in. If someone had gone inside whenever uh, inside the reactor when he was not looking, they would have tripped an alarm that would have gone off when uh, when the door is open mechanically. Uh, the door requires a password and a handprint, yet someone or something was inside, according to Andre. Later that evening, they were eating dinner outside, in the building by the river next to the plant and a floodlight turned on uh, in the room of the installation and nobody was inside. They wrote it off to being a power surge. And then right after that, the light turned off. So it's one of my favorite ghost stories from then. The first thing I wanted to talk about, about this one specifically was I sure hope this is not an intelligent haunting. Oh yeah. Could you imagine being a ghost and being aware of what's going in, like what's going on around and then you're trapped inside a nuclear reactor? Because we don't know exactly what a ghost experiences, but from when people have had contact with them, it doesn't always seem like the reality that they're in fully jives with ours. Yeah. And I would hate to think that whatever had happened there, either perhaps the meltdown caused an impression on that world in a physical way or a physics way or perhaps even just a psychic way. I just hope there's not someone who still has any intelligence down there that's, you know, experiencing that. Yeah, like you said, because there has to be some kind of change. There probably has to be some sort of change in reality that might be ha- that, that might have accidentally occurred that keeps a ghost from being able to phase in and out of reality or moving around anywhere. I couldn't even imagine the horror of being trapped inside there for just for just for years. But it sounds like residual haunting to me. Oh, that's yeah. what it sounds like, and that's what I'm hoping it is. Yeah. In our mind, we hope that it's some sort of an echo of, of, of something that happened on that particular day. Because, I mean, imagine that it could. I mean, the Chernobyl disaster left a, a massive imprint on the psyche of people that last to, to, to today, you know, uh, because of what happened. So, if, you know, if you follow, like, a lot of what people talk about ghosts and how drawn they are to trauma, I imagine somebody 
dying inside the reactor or something around then like during that time could be something that would leave an imprint that would linger for a good while. Okay. Is shadow people close enough that we can talk about it in this area too? Sure. Okay. One of the things I wanted to talk about is shadow people and shadow people are a thing that one can experience when exposed to radioactive materials. It is something that you can experience. And so, like, it didn't surprise me at all when I was hearing about, like, shadow people encounters. Now, once I looked up where the radiation levels were and how low they were at the time that they were being reported, though, that surprisingly makes me think that there's something to it. But it's not uncommon to see them darting behind things, around the trees, moving through abandoned buildings. Like, um, I had watched one YouTube video where someone's going through a... um, abandoned building and you kind of just see this form just dart past him and when he goes to pursue it there's nothing there and it looked an awful lot like a shadow person although the image was blurry well we've talked a lot about shadow people that they are drawn to places of that they're they're drawn to places of despair they're drawn around negative energy they're drawn around places like that so i'm not 100 percent shocked that shadow people sightings would be in a place that impacted the world and is still impacting the world as much as what, as what Chernobyl did. So I, I was thinking along the same lines and I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I came to an odd thought and I want to get your thought on it as well. Sure. So we've talked extensively on this channel about shadow people, what draws them near, what they feed off of things like that. But most of they seem to be drawn to people and they seem to want to put them in a state of high negative emotion based on our assumption to feed. But why would they be drawn to this sort of area? I, I, I came to it a, con- a conclusion myself, but I wanted to see what you came I gotcha. to. I got you. I think that it's quite... Okay, so we've talked about before about that a vibe can be left in a room. Like something, like if you just have been in a room, you can just sort of tell that something bad has happened there. I think that, like if you've ever, I, I don't know, psychics have reported this, con- like people, like, whenever they show up in places of murders. I mean, if you think about it, like any just casual haunting places, people go places, they're just like, oh, this just feels weird. You know, oh, this feels scary. This feels wrong. This feels bad. Like they'll say that. And the same in those places, you'll see shadow people at the same exact time. So I, I think it's quite possible that a something bad, so bad happened in Chernobyl that it just lingered there for a while. But also some people can just look at that place from afar and just go, that is a place of tragedy, and I think that it can. I think that it literally can just be a magnet for things that are drawn to just negative energy. Yeah, my first thought was along that line of perhaps all the terror of what was going on, all the fear of the bomb and stuff, had saturated with that much emotional energy that it still lingers there. Much like some of the radiation still lingers there, that it still mm-hmm. lingers there enough to draw these things in and allow them to sustain themselves. But the other thought I had was this: What if the fear of what it represents is enough to kind of give the area a charge. Kind of like you know how oh, yeah. thought and focus sustains a tulpa. Perhaps just the idea of fearing these nuclear disasters still allows the area to gain this charge that they can they can feed off this kind of um, metaparticly connected aura of dread. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was alluding to a little bit when I said people can just because again, oh, no, I got on, that. I on, on that particular on that pick, on that particular day, on most of the world thought that we were really close to end, like the world being done. Like whenever, like shortly after that, like if you look at newspapers from the seventies, like during that time, honest to God, the the average layperson that was aware of it thought that we probably were like an inch away from just going and just blowing ourselves up and just blowing the world up. So you know, I think there's only been like four examples of that when it comes to nuclear, like when it comes to nuclear uh, incidences, that's the three, you know, that's Fukushima, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, well, I guess five technically, and then the two bombs that were dropped in Japan. So, I mean, of how close that people thought that we were to just ending everything. Yeah, that's the idea of the doomsday clock, right? Yeah. You know, that when it just, hits midnight, you're at nuclear destruction. Yeah, and it's always like a couple minutes up until then. Yeah, I was always, I was always, or I was wondering, um, 
like a few nights ago, what the, what's a doomsday clock at today? Because I think like at Vegas, uh, during the Bay of, uh, I can't speak right now, the Bay of Pigs incident, wasn't it like four seconds to midnight yeah, moving, at one point? Yeah, but I, I, but I imagine now that any time that anybody adjusts that, they honest to God have to be like from like Idris Elba from Pacific Rim when he's like, reset the clock. <laughs> For any of you who's not used to the idea of the doomsday atomic clock, the idea is um, the closer the time is to midnight, that's how close you are to nuclear destruction. Now, you say metaphorical, but they had a real actual clock. They, would they? they, they did. They had a prop that they would use to show it to people because people har- had a hard time understanding the metaphor <laughs> concept without the visuals. So they, there was time the people would show a real big clock <laughs> and they would move. There'd be dudes in white coats that would move the, <laughs> the freaking hands. I would hate to be the scientist who goes through and gets their degree and then gets that job. Gets the degree in clock moving. <laughs> like you're an engineer. Oh, good, good. We need, you're, you're glad you're here for your first day uh, of being an engineer. What do you need me to do? We're going to need you to move the hands of these clocks. <laughs> like, and that's just your whole job. So, But beyond, besides that, there are just other more generalized, less interesting, in my opinion, ghostly things that go on there. People seeing groups of people moving off in the distance, um, things falling around them, generalized poltergeist activity, things that would imply a the area seems to be haunted. But it's most of these stories are in a bit of a more vague sense. Mm-hmm. When do we get to get to them? When do we get to get to them? Get to what? You oh, know what? Oh, <laughs> you know what? You, you want to pull the trigger now? Yeah. The Black Bird of Chernobyl. Okay, those of you who are veterans on the... Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> those of you who are veterans of the channel, you have probably heard us talk about this several times. Yes. We have talked of quite a few times on the Black Bird of Chernobyl, but we should probably give you guys a reminder. Do you yeah. want to shoot or do you want yeah, to Yeah, so for those of you that don't know uh, what the Black Bird of Chernobyl is, prior, like a few days before the Chernobyl incident occurred, people had reported seeing this large winged creature cryptid humanoid that was black flying around with red glowing eyes giant bat-like-esque wings oh and no head and no head that was flying around the time and during the disaster witnesses reported this same creature flying in and out of the smoke and then away from chernobyl i think it was uh, a few days before it had actually swooped down really close to one of the um workers that were working on the outside of one of the towers Mm-hmm. But does anybody think this description sounds oddly familiar? Ever heard of some sort of black winged creature with red glowing eyes and no head that shows up around disasters? Dude's a dead ringer for the freaking Mo- Mothman. Mothman. It's, yeah. it's, <laughs> he's a dead ringer for it. Absolutely. And although this would not be the earliest encounter with the Mothman, it is among the earlier that are famous. Yeah, and I mean, there were similar things that occurred right around the same time. Uh, whenever it was, it was, it was right before. No, it was right at. It was no, it was before. It was before uh, the Black Church of Chernobyl that was going on. It was people were people in the town reporting getting threatening phone calls. They would get phone. They would pick up the phone. There'd be nobody there. There were people that were reporting static sounds on the other end of the phone line, just like John Killer reported in Point Pleasant whenever he was investigating the Mothman. I can only conclude that this is the same creature or the same type of creature. Which is really weird whenever you run into... What's really weird is because when you compare it to a lot of other, like, winged creatures or winged humanoids, not like, you know, Bat Squatch or, like, the Gargoyle from Gary, Indiana that was that was cited. It's not... It, it has so many similar parallels to the Point Pleasant Mothman encounter with, the you know, with the bridge. But Marcus, wasn't the Point Pleasant Mothman just a sand-hilled crane? No. How could it have gotten to the Ukraine? Okay, first of all, I'd also like to point <laughs> this out about people that live in towns. People from the country and people from cities recognize the animals that live in the area. <laughs> this is the most bizarre skeptic answer that I have ever said. People will be like, oh, that's just a giant owl. Like for some reason, or cranes, like people can't recognize birds. Also... How many birds do you know that fly near nuclear disasters and fly around in the debris while it's going on? That's fair. How many That's times fair. did that happen? You know, you know. How many times do you see that going on? 
Do you know that the Mothman is still sometimes spotted around Point Pleasant, West Virginia? Yeah. Do you know birds typically don't fly around whenever there's loud explosions? No, they, they, <laughs> they GTFO. Yeah, yeah, the GTFO. Did you know that there are still occasional sightings of the Blackbird of, of Chernobyl within that area? I did. People that have gone to that area and then have reported, uh, that, have been, that, have been, that have investigated the area have reported seeing it. And um, then are never heard from again. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm making that part up. But no, people will still, I think the most recent one I had seen was what from like 2012, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And a group of people had seen what seemed to have been a creature, humanoid in shape, large black wings, and red glowing eyes, and seemingly no head. Mm-hmm. Once again, just verbatim matching the baseline description. I'm trying to look up whenever the Fukushima disaster happened. I want to say that was 82, 2000, I don't 2011, man. I was going to say, I what was, are you saying? 82. We I were in college way, when that I was happened. Way, I'm sorry. My my apologies. <laughs> I've worked all day. 2011. I should have known that too. Um, whenever whenever that ha- whenever that happened, because again, it was also cited around the, that same time. So it's interesting yep. whenever you're seeing one type of paranormal phenomenon occurring from from town to town like that. So, truthfully, Point Pleasant seems to be a bit of an outlier mm-hmm. in their sightings. Oh yeah. So it's really interesting when you start comparing like the Mothman, like sighting and then you compare it to like black blackbird or chernobyl story and then then fukushima the freiburg shrieker um the dragon man mm-hmm. there's this whatever this thing is or group of things it has been present for a while and seems to like disasters mm-hmm. so i tried to dig around to see if i could find any other cryptids did you i didn't find any cryptids with it i found a lot of parent a lot of weird habits from people that like to visit Chernobyl, though. I did, you know, I found a lot of Wait, weird habits that... Before you go that. into it, I have one more, maybe not a cryptid, but a monster. Have you heard about the giant catfish in the cooling wells? I thought you were going to talk about, like, the giant boars that are in the area. No, that's like, cool. The giant radioactive boars. I like... I, yes, there are giant radioactive boars. How they have never made a television show <laughs> out of dudes hunting giant radioactive boars in America. I have... No idea. They're not as big as like Hogzilla's, which we get sometimes here in America. I the show sells itself. <laughs> but no, no. Have you heard about the catfish though? The giant, like the giant monster catfish yeah. that's in the area. I believe it. I mean, I, I've never heard of that one, but I would believe that there are giant animals. You know, giant radioactive animals that are in the area because of it. Yeah, there are wells catfish that live in the um, in the coolant ponds, and they can get. I've heard they can get up to eight hundred pounds. 300 is apparently closer to the norm, and they're absolutely huge and not connected to the disaster. They just live in the area? Yeah, they are just, that is just how big they are. <laughs> it is just a coincidence was, that they're in a nuclear cooling pond. I was getting ready to say, I'm like, 800 pounds, still probably wouldn't need it because it's probably radioactive. I mean, it probably is radioactive. Oh, it probably, probably. is radioactive. I mean, I would probably not eat anything in the rivers in that area, unless you want to grow like a second head or a third eye. But yeah, no, they're, uh, the size of these catfish, which is a surprise to a lot of people, is not connected to the radioactivity or mm-hmm. even that they're in a um, like one of the ponds for the nuclear facility. Mm-hmm. That's just how big they are, and no one's gone in to kill them. <laughs> so just natural occurring giant catfish in the area. Just had to bring that up. Do you want to get into the weird, uh, beha- the weird, the weird phenomenon? Oh, hell yeah. The weird people? Go yeah. ahead. Okay. I'm sure some of you guys may recall a game from many years ago called Stalker's Shadow of Chernobyl. That is actually based on a video game following the escapades of groups that go into Chernobyl and kind of, they're a little mix between, you know, Relic Hunter, Urban Explorer, and Death Cultist. (laughs) As they'll kind of go through and have their own little adventures invading into this area, and this was really common back when it was a no-go zone. These were people just kind of breaking the law and getting in there. And often there would be a bit of a challenge to, do you want to explain the stupidity of this? Yeah, they'll be like, you know what? I have an idea. Let's see who can get in there and be exposed to radiation the longest. And then someone went, okay, and thus that game was born. I just, it's still baffling to me. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I know guys will play really stupid games like, you know, who can kick each other in the nuts harder than, you know, than the other person. Yeah. But I think when you're taking it to levels of who can go into the most dangerous radioactive parts. Of- and come back with the highest uh, highest reactor on the meters. Yeah. Actually, actively trying to expose themselves, by the way. Not, not just trying to see who can go the deepest. They were trying to expose themselves to as much radiation as possible. And then they came out. That's some death culty stuff. Right there. But also, like, yeah, that's super stupid, but they also are, some suckers are just, like, urban explorers for that area. It's I, probably not the smartest place to go do it. Yeah, Nowadays, I, it'd be safer. I could just, honest to God, I could just see, I could just see some of the stupidity from somebody right now and then be like, you know, if I expose myself to much, enough radiation, I might become a superhero. And then there's just a cut scene, like in The Simpsons, where he's like, no, sir, now you have cancer. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Where you just expose yourself to just so Where much. Where did all my white cells go? <laughs> it's like they are God. dead. They are gone. They are dead. <laughs> so, I don't know. Would, would you have even done something quite this dumb when you were a teen? Uh, I would say I. I would say in my in my eighteen, 20, nineteen. No, I would probably not want to go near some radioactive. Like, I don't think that I would want Hear to. Hear me out. No, hang Hear on. Me out. No, hang okay, on. Good. I can understand the the. I can understand the romance of. Going somewhere where you're not supposed to, and and creeping into somewhere. Now, I I get, and we do that all the time. That's stuff that we do. I truthfully, probably what it is is it's people that don't understand the actual consequences of what they're doing, which is fairly, which is very common when it comes to people's knowledge of of nuclear technology. I mean, this is a real thing. Bear with me. I think I would have gone, and you know why? Because you didn't know better. No, I knew I knew better. I knew about that sort of stuff. Had by and by my, I was, I, my blah, blah, blah. by the time I was in high school, it would be to save my dumbass friends. Oh, we had to pull them out. Oh. I am certain. Like, given the choice it, alone, just me, yeah, I wouldn't do it. But knowing my friends growing up, I'm certain they would have, and right. I probably would have gone. Right. Well, I mean, I, I I get why that behavior started because there's a whole. I mean, most people don't understand nuclear technology. Like most people in the town would not want a nuclear reactor in their town for fear of like it blowing up, something like Chernobyl, there being some weird leak, they'll get cancer, they'll get poisoned, they'll get poisoned or something like that. Not even realize that the safety restrictions on a nuclear power plant is astronomical and it's generally statistically like almost 10 times safer than having a coal plant like in your town because of it but people that are just have this perception of what it's like of having because of incidents like the chernobyl disaster that they just don't even want it there yeah i've heard lots of times that modern nuclear power is actually pretty safe and for those of you who don't know much about nuclear power and like steampunk stuff nuclear power is pretty much just steampunk yeah they, pretty much. they, they create take, steam yeah they take these um these rods that can be heated up to extreme levels and cool down slowly and dunk them in these pools of water. And you know that, like, odd sort of, is it conical? What, what's the shape of those towers? What would you call it? Where they start out wide and then get thin and then widen up again? Concave, yeah. Um, as it moves up those towers, it's spinning turbines and stuff because of the force of the steam trying to get upward. And that's where the power comes from. Unfortunately, the water gets really heavily polluted because of the materials that they're using that they're superheating are the sort of things that don't get fixed fast because they have a really long half-life. Well, the problem, the real problem with radiation doesn't even come with, like, add the nuclear reactor the problem comes with oh now we have these massive radioactive rods or radioactive waste yeah, what do we what do, do you with do with the rods what do you do with the water yeah so you know that's how you ended up in like here in the u.s in like the nevada mountain range like in yucca mountain we have it in there well actually i don't think it's actually well, i think there's some there but i don't think there's as much that there was going to be there uh, that they were going to put there um from from something like that happened but again People's misconceptions of it just, has just created, I would say, stuff like the phenomenon known, like the, the, the guys that would, the stock that would that would do that. You know that there was a, a, a whole other type of weird death cult that thing that, that occurred from like people surrounding the town, like survivors from the town. I don't think so. I think that's the only death cult I had heard of. But tell me. Well, more. I don't want to say it's a death cult, but it was, but it affected the psyche of people that lived in the the teens that lived in the surrounding towns. So these teens that survived the Chernobyl disaster, and because of that, of how much of what they didn't know about and what they perceived was going to happen to them because they were exposed to it, most of them actually thought they were going to die. They developed this really weird fatalistic mentality. So it created, like, all of these, like, think, like, the most emo teen that you can think of and just crank it up, like, 
up to 11. I could only imagine they would be, if if you're a teen, you have all that angst and you think you're never going to have yeah. to live to deal with the consequences of it. And then being mad at the world, I could see this getting pretty out of hand. So so parents of so parents with kids that survived in their teen years, the teens thought that they were going to die. They thought they thought they were going to have some horrible mental con- condition as they got older. And so there was this huge rampant increase of like drugs and illicit sex that occur <laughs> with these I'd teens. Imagine, yeah. They did. They just stopped using protection because they didn't think it mattered. It was really it was weird, and they just started doing drugs. And the thing is, like beyond that. It's one of those things where I'm not going to have much time to live. I need to start knocking off my bucket yeah, list yeah, I at like 15. To do this now. So it just it created this really weird, <laughs> just dangerous mentality in the people that, that survived or that lingered near it. Like that's Whatever how much happened this to town, the children of Chernobyl? I mean, they, a lot of them developed drug habits. A lot of them ended up getting, catching, you know, STDs from it. You know, you end up, you end up having people that, that you know, 500,000 people and developed some sort of problem shortly thereafter from it. So it kind of became that town's own lost generation. I mean, some of them were right that they ended up dead, just contracting like cancer from it too, because of what happened. I mean, some of them were right, but I mean, so that's what happened to a lot of these teenagers after they were exposed to it. Like if you want to see like a easy to understand biological reaction to radiation and not all things respond to radiation the same way, look up how radiation affects plants. I'm trying. We were saying like that story in Romania or that forest in Romania, and I had to mm-hmm. learn a lot of stuff about that. Let's well, get two reactions. <laughs> go ahead. No, oh, you're gonna win. Um, well, if it's enough, it's gonna start causing um, cellular generate re- or degeneration in the cell walls, and it can just melt down to kind of an ooze or wilt. It'll just kill it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's one thing. But if it's in the Goldilocks zone, where it's not too much to kill it. It can actually cause both growing in odd ways and hyperaccelerated growth. But a lot of things can cause hyperaccelerated growth in plants. Like, for example, if you put a plant in, like, say, well, I did this experiment in college with the uh, bean pods, where we had we potted some bean pods, power pods, and we're supposed to put it in this area where it would get absolutely zero light. And then we'd write a theory about what was going to happen and then come back to it. Did you ever have to do this experiment? Yep, I remember. Mine was... I didn't get the uh, I didn't get the one that was light. Mine got the one that had to be in a cold area. So oh, what happened to them in the cold area? The leaves got bigger. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mine it started growing like crazy. Like mm-hmm. the bean plant that was fully deprived of light grew five times faster than our bean plant that was just hanging out in light. Did you guys only do the one with the light, or did you guys not do any other experiments either? My team, what, what each uh, everyone in my uh, class was assigned a different experiment gotcha, along those gotcha. lines, and I was assigned the light one. Yeah, and at the end of it, they let you take it home. So it sucks to be Vic. <laughs> white, yellow plant. That's like three, that's like two feet long. Yeah, I just use it for the next project. Right. I'm like, I got this bean plant. I'm just going to keep using it. <laughs> but oh, plants man. do sometimes respond odd to things. Also, plants have a higher resistance in general to radiation than humans do, but it's not massively higher. This sounds like a Goldilocks story from hell. Like there was just like there was just too much radiation, there's too little, but then there's just right. It yeah, just it pretty much is. Okay. Before we get to the end of our primary segment, mm-hmm. let's talk about why do we think this area is so paranormally charged? Oh, also did you find a UFO stories? Because I didn't. Yeah. People Abs- tons of it. People oh, thought. Screw putting off our ideas. Talk yeah. about UFO stuff. So pe- people thought that pe- there's a whole conspiracy. Sur- there's time. We're not even close for for me to being done. By the way, I could just keep going. Anyway, the stuff with the UFOs. There's a whole conspiracy surrounding the UFO phenomenon, believing that UFOs caused Chernobyl. Like aliens intervened in order to be able to keep us from like killing ourselves. Because I was of it. probably using the wrong like terms when I was looking into it. I, I thumbed through a few of my books, and I didn't find any mentioning. And when I was looking um, online, I was looking for just things in recent years. Yeah, so it was some, I might just gloss over Yeah, it was some one. people reported seeing strange lights in the sky, strange, strange sightings of lights in the sky leading up to the Chernobyl incident, and then a few days shortly thereafterwards, of course, as well. So it's led people to believe that what happened at Chernobyl was aliens intervening in order to save us, like... Like the like meltdown a, like, could have been much worse. Yeah, like a controlled burn or something or a controlled disaster or something else was going to happen far worse than that because because of that. And, I went, and again, I think that fits into the 
the mold of what we've talked about before because a lot of people, especially especially religions or cults or things that that believe that aliens, you know, intervene with humanity shortly after. Yeah. You know, we discovered nuclear technology that they were watching us because they were worried we were going to blow up. I mean, if you believe, truly believe that, you know, the, the earth is like this precious area of resources, you know, of, of, of like plant life, water and, and biomatter or whatever, then, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, we set off a nuclear explosion that incinerates our ozone layer, it's gone. <laughs> you know, it's going to yeah. it's going to be gone in a matter of, matter of hours. So it's all going to be gone. So there's this belief that aliens intervened in Chernobyl in order to keep, uh, you know, in order to be able to keep us from uh, uh, ending the world, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, I guess if it did get bad enough with the facility there, it could have done a lot more damage with mm-hmm. massive runoff causing blighting in the area for a lot longer than it has been, and probably could have contaminated many nearby villages. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, there's whole treaties about like. And talks about not doing any nuclear testing on the moon <laughs> because the people were afraid that we would screw it up and we'd have a nuclear bomb in in outer space that would incinerate the entire ozone layer. By the way, That's so I mean, pretty scary. Yeah, with how with how much then that can happen to people genuinely believing that something like that could happen. So okay, all, all from Chernobyl, by the way. Thoughts on Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh, I'm not 100. I'm. It's. I'm not shocked in any way, shape, or form. Chernobyl is one of the most interesting paranormal towns ever that uh, that is out there. We, dude, we're we're at the we're just at the tip of the radioactive iceberg that is Chernobyl. I mean, it, there's still so much more that we can go into, even in the pillow talk segment. Um, it literally has every kind of paranormal phenomenon that you can think of. There's cults, UFOs, aliens, cryptids. Ghosts, shadow people, entities. I mean, tons and tons just goes on uh, from that. So, in my opinion, I, th- I think it's you. I, I'm hard pressed to find another town that that trumps it and makes it and makes it a that's more interesting. I'm not going to blow that much smoke up Chernobyl's elephant foot. Name one other town. <laughs> the, the thing is this: it is very fascinating. But one of the things that draws me to a paranormal town is the urban legend of it. And a lot of this isn't specifically connected to it. Like, I like the urban legend of Stoke, Kansas a lot. And I would say, like, I'd feel more interested in that. Like, if I could have a... If we're just talking about interest in paranormal. If I could have a ticket to a have no-holds-barred exploration, I would choose Stoke, Kansas. Now, if we're talking about interest in general, yes, I'm going to go to Chernobyl because I'm interested because of what a major event it was. Uh-huh. But if we're talking strictly paranormal in interest, I'd go with that. I feel like we're going to have, like, some sort of, like debate on what's cooler chernobyl or still actually let's put that in the comments below what do you guys those of you that are paranormal savvy do you say chernobyl or still kansas is a more is more interesting paranormal town both are very good by the way we did an entire season finale of case files i'm not dismissing in any way shape or form because it's creepy there's still some things about that i'm researching too but good oh yes we need to not forget about that place yeah it's all that debate for us in the comments below on that one but do you have any more thoughts on chernobyl Oh, I just that the place is clearly charged in some way. I think probably it has something to do with the eyes of the world being on it and perhaps a stain of that sort of existential angst. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I'm not totally sure. It just, I would say I believe this to be an area that is paranormally charged. I'd love to go there and see a Mothman. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about Chernobyl? Do you guys think, uh, what's your guys' favorite part about Chernobyl? Are you guys more interested in the ghost stories? Do you guys more interested in... The history of Chernobyl, the conspiracies, the animals, the cryptids. What what all do you think is uh, some of the most fascinating part about the Chernobyl legend? Let us know in the comments below. If you're listening to this, uh, give us a like. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to hit that notification bell so you can stay up to date whenever we put out new content. We always appreciate that. That's one of the ways you guys can uh, share support to us. Um, if you're listening to this, where you can leave a review, please leave a review for us. That's one of the uh, another way that you can also support the channel. So we super appreciate. So we super appreciate that. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as uh, bonus content that we post up on our uh, Patreon exclusively for them. If you sign up for $2 or more a month, you actually get uh, access to our poll to vote on the theme of every month. 
And next month, we're going to be talking about giant bird cryptids. Heck yeah. Boo. Yay. <laughs> but it's it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good month, guys. We're we're we're, I'm, we're super excited. Uh, cryptids are our bread and butter, so we we absolutely love talking about them. So it's gonna be it's it, we're gonna make it fun. So it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Can't wait for it. So, um, I th- we thought for for this, we, there's still more to Chernobyl. Uh, that I would go. We we t- we always take a small break in between the pillow talk segment uh, and the main part of the podcast. Yeah, we were originally going to talk about Shrine Towns, but then Marcus pointed out something we haven't talked about, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about that instead. So, uh, let's talk about, let's open this right up with uh, one of my favorite uh, stories about it. Thank <laughs> you. 